0: hello and welcome the name of this podcast series is taboo truths and tales so why these particular t words are all in the title you may may want to know fair question it's because this podcast deals with subject matter considered to be taboo this podcast deals with a person's perception of truths And this podcast deals with storytelling tales of fiction told by an individual. You need to choose for yourself what you perceive as truths versus tales, because very often in real life, that distinction is not crystal clear. This podcast is marked Explicit. What that means, you should not listen to this podcast if you happen to be under the age of 18 or if someone under age 18 is listening there with you. Explicit means nobody under age 18 should be listening to this podcast series. So here we go. Taboo Truths and Tales is hosted by Madeira de Souza. That's me. Some of you may know me by my nickname as Woody. Whatever you want to call me, I welcome you here to this podcast, which is definitely intended for people who are 18 or older. Thank you. Now, let's get started. Woody. Yes. It's Alan. <laughs> Alan, there you are. Thank you. <laughs> I'm so
1: sorry about that.
0: Are, is this still a good time to uh, do an yeah. interview? It is? Oh, or?
1: absolutely. No, no, definitely. I'm sorry, but my call couldn't come through. It's this building I live in. No, it is. I live in this, like, 200-year-old silk factory building. And, you know, it's built with, like, nothing but iron. So... <laughs> So, like for like,
0: like sometimes for like cell phone signals to go through, it's impossible sometimes. Oh wow!
1: Yeah, but it's cool now.
0: <laughs> that sounds like the beginnings of a, a setting for a horror story. I think.
1: <laughs> Basically, everything here is a setting for a horror story.
0: <laughs> you mean in New Jersey or in that house?
1: It's <laughs> both. <laughs>
0: Well, I am so glad to finally connect with you. Um,
1: yes, definitely, it's been a long time, Woody.
0: Yeah. Well, and I first met you in Los Angeles, in Burbank, actually. Yes. Uh, there was a promotional event at um, at Dell's bookstore. What's the name? Delicate.
1: Uh, dark, oh, at Dark Delicacies, we were doing um, we were doing a poster signing.
0: That's right. But you were in Los Angeles for the premiere. This was uh, twenty four
1: Right, that was uh, two thousand fourteen. This was you know, that was the night before the, um, the night before the premiere.
0: Yeah, Tales of Poe. We have to say the name. Right. Yes. And I do say for people listening, it's and who have never heard of you, Alan Rowe Kelly. Well, good luck <laughs> to them because <laughs> it's going to be. Yeah.
1: <laughs> good luck to them anyway. <laughs> have to
0: find me first well I think I think someone who tried to catch up if you will with you and all that you have done would be extremely difficult but I did my homework and I have a little introduction of you and you can oh, cool. just jump in at any time I um, like I said I met you for the first time in Los Angeles 2014 but I had seen you in a far cry from home um, and that if my research is correct, that was uh, debuted in 2008 in Bloomington, Indiana at the Dark Carnival Film Festival. Is that correct? Yes, it did, actually. And, but I think people are probably more familiar with 2012 Gallery of Fear. Right. right. And it was, it meaning a far cry from home, a segment in Gallery of Fear, released in 2012. Uh, so, Gallery of Fear, 2012, and A Far Cry From Home. That was my introduction to you, Alan Rokelly. Oh,
1: wow. Yeah. And that's, it, that, that's a long time ago.
0: That was, but you can imagine. And it, it, it stuck with me because it is a horror film and it's filled with social activism uh, because you chose deliberately. You wrote it and, and you are you directed it and you starred in it. Uh, and it's essentially, if you put it into just a few words, a couple of guy, gay men are in New Jersey and they come across a homophobic religious sect. And all kinds of nefarious things happen. That's the word for today, nefarious.
1: Nefarious, I like that. No, that, that's very true. You know, it was interesting. Um, we had just finished uh, doing The Bloodshed the year before, that same year. And, um, and that, that was originally going to be a short for an anthology and ended up being a feature so then, I wrote like, Far Cry From Home in like two weeks. And um I just I basically if you look at the film it, it's really funny the way it's perceived and the way it looks. It it um it has all the tropes of like the typical uh take the wrong turn off the road type of movie. You know, all those wrong turn movies. But usually it's always um young couples or the newbile honeymoon couple or you know, that type of um, scenario that you've seen so many times. Yes. And, you know, they, they, they run into the wrong place and get in with wrong people and all this mayhem ensues. And, and um, I just figured how interesting it would be different if it was a gay cup. you know, versus, you know, what you're normally seeing, all those movies that has been made for years. And it really took on a completely different note while we're filming it.
0: Oh, you didn't. Everything. You didn't start out as uh, uh, with the way it turned out. You didn't write it in advance as a, a homophobic religious sect.
1: Well, no, I thought it would just be interesting to see what would happen with it, you know, and um, and, and just go with it. You know, I didn't really think of anything political at the time. I just wanted something kind of hardcore. And, and, like you said before, and nefarious. And I didn't realize how like how potent it was until after we finished it and started editing it. And um, and it's very interesting because it seems like such a relevant horror piece today, but it's already 10 years old. When we originally started um, sending out to all these festivals back then, especially I sent it out to a lot of k film festivals, and all of them turned me down except for one.
0: Wow. Well,
1: yeah, they really had a problem with me putting something like that out there. I didn't have the point like back then. I mean, this is 10 years ago, so you can see how things have changed, where like even some of the people at festivals, like would roll me back and said, you should be a more responsible filmmaker. And this is not the type of message we want to put out. And I was like, wow, I said, but this is it's a horror movie. You know? So it's sort of like this is what happens when a gay couple gets caught in a horror movie.
0: Yeah, and I'm surprised uh, that you got that reaction because what is this? I
1: was too, to be honest with you. I thought it was a little bit, I mean, it was a little cutting edge at the time, and it was quite graphic, you know, for the time as well too. But um, I just thought it would, you know, I thought it would take on okay. And, you know, it was interesting because the horror fans, like the horror genre fans, they liked it. They, They really liked it a lot.
0: Well, I would say as a gay man, I was completely taken by this uh, by far cry from home because thank you well it was very daring i mean it is let's speak present tense and it yes. remains it remains i think i haven't seen it again in in recent times but it has stuck with me and i think of it as very relevant in in 2019 because of the hate crimes that still happen
1: exactly well i was basing it after you know information post matthew Shepard type of Scenario, because um, it kind of felt it falls in between like then and today, and um, so you know almost I mean it's the exact same thing, you know. But yeah, today it seems like a movie like that would be a little bit more accepted today. But it just ten years ago, not too cool. Yeah,
0: well, not I, too I, cool. Yeah, I do. I want to mention that for the, um, I think you know anyone who's a gay person who enjoys horror that that film that. Far Cry from Home really blends the two things uh, together in a way that is so unexpected, and uh, and I really endorse what you were trying to do, and I urge people to go take a look at that.
1: Well, thank you. I appreciate that, Woody, because that was you know that was a real group effort too. We had a really tight knit crew that we we're working with, and Bart Masternardi was doing all the cinematography, and you know Bart. Yes. And. Um, You know, we had an unbelievable cast and crew on set and we shot for five days straight in sequence. And um, it was it was interesting, you know, because sometimes and I'm sure you've been on a set or two, and sometimes they're like really happy occasions, so everyone's having a great time. This one, you know, everyone was really into doing what they were doing. But at the end, when call cut, we kind of looked at each other and go, Oof you know, we kind of had to go and take a shower afterwards. <laughs> yeah, every day, <laughs> you know, it was like, oh, we need, you know, let's let's like let, you know throw a couple back and just kind of forget what we did today.
0: Yeah well and I think that the visitor the viewer rather should be forewarned it is a very violent story and uh you know if if you like horror films I think there's not going to be any any oh wow reaction but if you're new to this as a viewer and you haven't yeah, seen it it could
1: be quite jarring I actually sent it to a friend of mine um, just a few months ago as a matter of fact who doesn't really watch a lot of horror movies and it really disturbed her <laughs> quite a bit she was like that was really rough. <laughs> yeah. I was like, well, I warned you. Yes. you know? But I also wanted to get, like, you know, I, I try to always hit a different genre per film. And I really wanted to get my, like, hardcore horror film out yes. in that piece. Yes. I just really wanted to go for it. And even the actors were like, seriously, even more? And I was like, oh, yeah, I want more. Yeah. And they were just they were kind of appalled by me. But I was like, ah,
0: let's just go for it. Well, and and that you certainly pulled off, and it is many years ago, not many, but you know it's in the past, and yet I think, as I said, it is still relevant. But the one thing that we do need to cover is that you have chosen to combine in your performance, in that performance, but then every other, everything you've appeared in, at least what I've seen, Tales of Poe, Gallery of Fear. Um, you have a combination of male and female characteristics into an ambiguous form, and of course, the word is androgyny. But can you talk about that in the sense of what people usually say uh, to you and about you?
1: Well, it's interesting because you know I've always been I've always been extremely feminine looking, and I look like just I look like a gal. Um, I kind of always have, so that's just what I follow. I still. Identify as male, but you know, there's so many terms today, it's so freaking confusing, Woody. <laughs> you know, yeah. I guess you would call it non, non- binary performer or whatever.
0: Yeah. But basically,
1: what it means is, I, you know, in all the films I appear in, except maybe one or two, I always play women.
0: Play yes. Women's
1: roles. This was a case where I just played, a, you know, a, a gay older guy, you know, who just happened to be very feminine. But most people will always just, like, pinpoint me and call me a drag queen.
0: But to see, that's not inaccurate, in my view.
1: No, it it isn't. You know, it's hard to fight like some people the way to review things. You know, this guy in drag or so or that. I mean, they can say whatever they want to say as long as the point gets across. I really don't care.
0: Yeah, but you know, there's... you know that's that's the main thing. It's like you know, I mean, you put something out there and you can't
1: anticipate who's going to think or what kind of knee jerk reaction. Yeah. People are going to get for it. you. Just have to let it go. Well, you but, know, but
0: but you are not you are not Bianca Del Rio. You know, uh, uh, people that. No, but
1: that would be an awful lot of fun. <laughs> <laughs> that would be an awful lot of fun.
0: Yeah, well, maybe RuPaul is listening right now. <laughs> you never know.
1: I said no. I don't think I'm up to a lip sync challenge. Sorry. <laughs> it's a, a little a little too long of an tooth for that. <laughs>
0: Well, so let's talk about the core subject here is yes. um, the uh, cannabis. I'm doing this podcast for the cannabis awareness.
1: Oh, no, I know. I've listened to them, too. I like them.
0: Oh, thank you so much.
1: Um, so I'm, I'm already I, I even prepared before I came online
0: with you. <laughs> so you have all your denials uh, arranged in advance, right? Well, and I said to you when we were uh, emailing back and forth that I wanted you to have the right to say to me, Woody, I'm not going to talk about um, cannabis usage in a direct way. So, and I still, I just wanted to tell you that again, you can leave it in the abstract or you can be as specific as you want.
1: Oh, I'm totally open about talking about weed.
0: Okay. Well. Yeah. You um,
1: know, I've been smoking since I was 18.
0: Oh really? Okay. Why don't you Why don't you talk about? See, there's a lot of people in uh, in the audience. You know, the viewer, let's say, who are not in the profession of filmmaking. When they hear, oh, there's uh, cannabis use in the film industry, not only independent. Oh. Or, no,
1: only I'm, I'm only talking personal. I'm not talking about in the industry. Okay. You know, I'm only talking about myself personally. Yes. You know, I I, I, I partake all the time. You know, and you know, it just makes me creative and. I feel good and I don't drink and I don't do anything else
0: so you say it makes you creative what how would you how would you explain that
1: oh it just helps me chill out and open up my mind a little bit more just kind of you know it kind of brings the colors out a little bit more basically let's put it that way
0: <laughs> I like that that's a good description
1: yeah it just brings out the color more you yeah. know it increases the <laughs> hues well, and it um, makes me more aware of it, and a little bit more sensitive to things, and plus it just relaxes me, and you know, but kind of like helps me helps my brain unwind a little bit and be a little bit more receptive.
0: Yeah. Now, see, so you now are
1: on set, now on set. Different story. <laughs> you know? And I'll admit it. When I made my first film, I tried. Um, I got stoned and I went to uh, direct for a day. And you know what? It was a complete waste. <laughs> <laughs> It was. I was just, it just didn't work out. I was too, like, I was too, um, too scattered. Yeah. And the direction of the day didn't go correctly. So, I mean, some people can, you know, can smoke and work full time, all the time, and that works great for them. For me, it's completely recreational.
0: Okay. Well, yeah. And I was going to...
1: That, that's how it works for me on film. You know, I, like I said, I tried it a day on film, and it was a disaster. I was like, well, I'm not doing that anymore. Because well, you know, time is money, and, you know, you oh, yeah. be mess, and can't be messing around.
0: Yeah, it's very expensive, and you don't want to waste the production of a film. Very expensive. Um, in Where you are, you're in uh, New Jersey, well, you're born in New Jersey, I don't know. Yes,
1: well, but, you know, I was in New York for oh, over 20 years, and now I'm back in New Jersey again on the other side of the river of the Hudson. Okay. Just because... It's a lot
0: cheaper. Oh yes, no, I understand that.
1: <laughs> yes, yes, and I'm you know, and I'm alone. I live alone, so it's not like you know I can afford um you know a quick and easy twenty five to three thousand dollar a month apartment in New York.
0: Yeah, well, um, well not was... on
1: an independent filmmaker's salary, that's for
0: sure. That would not happen. That's right. No, <laughs> but the legalities of uh, geography, like New York, has certain legalities that New Jersey does not and, uh, you know, the tri-state area, New York, Connecticut, New Jersey. The, right. The rules are different. The laws are different. Can you, have you noticed, I mean, New York is ahead of everyone else as far as legalities in that area. Uh, what are your thoughts well, on that? On
1: that? Well, it's interesting because, you know, I mean, we just, they just put, um, you know, just, they just put the cannabis uh, deal to a vote in New Jersey, I believe, about a month ago, you know, and um, I guess instead of instead of everyone voting no because there was negative, they did decide to postpone it again for another vote. Okay. You know? So at least it's still not off the table yet.
0: So the possibility exists that New Jersey could... Still
1: the possibility still exists, yes. Okay. And I, I believe that, I mean, I, I believe it's passing in New York, I'm not, I'm not too, you know, I'm not up to date on the end, if it, to be honest with you.
0: Yeah. Well, and
1: so, but I know New Jersey was voted on, they, they were going to vote, but it was, and it was totally negative on both sides, both parties, but um, they decided to not and leave it for another day okay. to deliberate, to deliberate the issues a little bit more. Yeah. Well, and I'm sure it has a lot to do with funding and sort of like, where does the profit go? Does it go into the state? Does it go into infrastructure? Does it go into, you know, uh, where does
0: it go? Yes. And,
1: that, you know, because that's where, you know, anything that's going to make a profit, everyone wants, you know, everyone's going to want a of cut of it. So.
0: Yes, yeah. Well, and,
1: they all have to come to an agreement where all these monies are going to go.
0: Yeah, and I know from Nevada experience, I live where it is legal, both for medicinal and recreational. And Nevada did of a, course. They did a very good job as far as how the tax revenue goes, how it flows. Right. Uh And then,
1: you know, it's just so stubborn. And when they realize, I feel like, you know, and and the research has proven it medicinally for a lot of people, it's so beneficial. Yeah. It's so beneficial. And, you know, but, you know, the FDA and the the Food and Drug Administration, the pharmaceuticals, they're just like, well, you don't want this around.
0: Yeah. Oh, I know. Well, and it is. You're
1: talking talking billions and billions of dollars. Exactly. Going down the drain, especially for, you know, the over-medicated elderly.
0: Yes. Well, and it is still cannabis is still a Schedule One uh, drug, and that means it's illegal on a federal level. And and why they say why they put it in Schedule One is they say the feds say it has no medicinal value and it's addictive. Both of those things are incorrect. Oh, um, well,
1: that's also been listed there for, what, 40, 50 years? Yeah, you know,
0: I think it's in the 30s, so it's even longer than Is that. It even,
1: oh, yeah, I guess yeah. you're right. It would be that far back, wouldn't it? Yeah,
0: and it was pretty much uh, when,
1: they, when they used to call you a hophead.
0: Right, and that wonderful movie, <laughs> The Reefer Madness. Uh, <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs>
1: that's great.
0: Yeah, and it looks like satire to us today. But it, is, it was not <laughs> when it came oh, out. I,
1: you know, I even remember, like, when I was a kid, as a young little horror kid, you know, and I'd read Monsters, a film, they Glenn Magazine, because that's, you know, that was, um, I'm a lot earlier than even Fangoria's been around. And um, they used to have, like, all these little ads for, like, Way for Madness, you know, what was it, the, the weed with roots in hell. <laughs> and, um, oh, I thought that was the great poster, but even back then as a little kid in the 60s, that's when the drug culture was really starting to, to bloom. Yes. And, of course, all the pamphlets were getting grade school about marijuana. Yeah. To Take this home for your parents to read, you know. Yes. And all that business. And, of course, we all thought it was, ooh, it's going to be really bad.
0: Yes. I know exactly. I felt the same. I was influenced against cannabis by that that whole mentality that exists. Yeah, but
1: yet at the same time there'd be like sort of like sort of like the rougher kids that lived up the street. Yeah. You know? And you knew they were spoken
0: dot And I <laughs> yes. well,
1: just and the thing is too, they they were kind of, you know, what we would consider in the sixties, late sixties wild you know, and um, at the same time, they
0: they seem to be having a good time. Exactly. Well, and then going back several decades, why the prejudice began was in the 30s, what was considered, as you say, wild, was the jazz industry, the musicians who played... Oh, Oh,
1: certainly, because that, you know, again, but that, and it's funny because that stems back to creative
0: Yes, exactly, yes. With the
1: musicians, you know, that it's just, you know, it just again, it just opens up the colors in your mind a little bit
0: more. Exactly.
1: As far as anything creative goes, and that's where um, I think musician, you know, where it was like you see it, you know, definitely in the musician, and it's, you know, it just works with tempo, rhythm, and a whole bunch of lyrical things that you're working on.
0: Well, and the prejudice began, especially in the predominantly white, uh, Communities, oh, certainly, yes, certainly, and there were. Yeah, well, that makes
1: that that always makes sense,
0: doesn't it? Yeah, well, and they were there were. You can still find this where white women were in jeopardy of uh, being raped by black jazz musicians. That kind of thinking. Oh, Jesus. And it and it really it's has scary a, to th- It's scary to think about that even now.
1: You know, yeah. back then, it's like good lord, you couldn't even walk down the street without the threat, and it's like being lynched, for God's
0: sakes. No, I know. And it, well, it's horrible. The, the sad part is a lot of that uh, racially motivated uh, uh, non-acceptance first and then leading to hatred. That's still around today. Oh, right? sure. I mean, yeah.
1: it's around with the gay community as well, too. Yes, yeah, exactly. With
0: certain people and yeah. certain sects, you know? Yes. Well,
1: and everything. I mean, so I'm looking at this like young guy from Indiana. This uh, Is it Buttigieg?
0: Yes. And
1: I know I pronounced that completely incorrect, but yeah. but I've been watching him. I think like, this this
0: guy's great. Yeah, he is. Like uh, a
1: real, he's like really down to earth, and I'm just like I'm digging it. But boy, he's gonna have. He's already starting to get um, a lot of nonsense on the uh, campaign trail.
0: Yeah, it's crazy how that. You know, I don't think. Anyone... But I mean,
1: it, I'm sure he's going in there completely open eyed and realizing, yeah, this is going to
0: be rough at spots, yeah. you Yeah, know? he's, he's not because, naive at all, no. No, no, not
1: at all. But it's quite interesting to watch him, and it's going to be interesting to watch what goes on on that end of it,
0: too. Yeah. Well, and the prejudice uh, not only jazz, but uh, the people from Mexico in the 30s were thought of as... Very similarly to what President Trump has said in the present day, and that is, we should be fearful of Mexicans because... Oh, sure. Yeah. And so that, in fact... before
1: that, but even before that, too, like even a generation before that, it's like the Italians and the Irish were considered the same. They were looked at as dirt. Yes. You know, so it just seems like it's just, you know, where does that even stem from in the beginning, you know?
0: Well, the word marijuana. The wasp, the wasp. The wasp, yeah. The word marijuana in English comes from marijuana, the Spanish yeah. word, and that has been the source of the racial or the prejudice against Mexicans going back to the 1930s. Mm-hmm. Um, and so if you happen to be a jazz musician who was from Mexico, you were totally screwed you know, as far as the prejudice in those days. I oh, just—I I'm sure. I'm, say that as a joke. I can't name one Mexican jazz <laughs> musician from the 1930s. I don't know, Desi Arnez? Well, he's from Cuba. Well, right? no,
1: he was actually the 40s from Cuba, but I'm, I'm thinking Mexican. I'm thinking maybe AC Morales' band and possibly... Um, but I think and, uh, Xavier Cugat. I think he's from South America, though, isn't yeah. he? Yeah, well, and
0: there's Cubans, a lot of Cubans, especially.
1: Right, right, or is Xavier Cugat who got also Cuban I'm not sure yeah. so pardon me on that yeah and so I didn't do my jazz research too well today
0: yeah we can pull our white men's uh, knowledge of jazz Alan right
1: and there was the Machito, the Machito Orchestra too But I, and I think they may have been Mexican yeah and they were brilliant yeah Except so, but that also maybe early 40s I'm not sure
0: well and that's that's the thing I have struggled when I was a kid I grew up in California and there were a lot of people from Mexico working mm-hmm. Um, Near where I lived, my grandfather had a ranch where there was uh, where crops were raised, and in those days it was very common to hire people from Mexico to do the uh, Mm -hmm. the work, the very back breaking work uh, in the with the earth, and uh, so yeah, I was very familiar, and I couldn't understand honestly why there was prejudice because I never grew up in a prejudicial. I mean, the fa- my family was very open-minded, my grandfather on down. And uh, so today I'm still, I marvel at how is it that people could be so prejudiced and they probably never have met anyone from Mexico. It's all just what they've heard, you know? So, but that's the source of a lot of the prejudice about marijuana it comes from the marijuana, the word. And uh, so today most people <laughs> refer to get around that problem, most people refer to it as cannabis, which is the scientific name, uh, and that's the word I use most of the time when I talk about it. Grass, yeah, grass weed. There's all these. Uh, yeah, there's all these other nicknames uh, that are very colorful. Some of which are uh, on the edge of, of, of on the edge of obscene, um, but. It's an interesting thing to be involved in. And so in your experience, um, you talked about directing under the influence, and that didn't work. And that's kind of a a good statement for the young people out there listening who may say, hey, I can get high and then go to work and still function. You would say that's not the case. It wasn't a good idea to uh, smoke marijuana and then try and direct um, have you seen well
1: I mean that's all a personal thing that was just I found that for me and this is 20 years ago of course you know yeah um, yeah you know, I just like I said I thought I'd try once to see how I would how I would feel mood wise and creative wise you know and working on and it was a lighter day of uh, filming but still it was just kind of like it just didn't work for me now I know some people could be on set and maybe you know they'd be high even though you wouldn't know it And they perform
0: perfectly, if not better. Yeah.
1: Well, and that was. So I think you know, and and it's 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 an enhancement for some people in many different ways. I think it's all individual.
0: Yes, that enhancement is what I was trying to uh, to probe here. The uh, some people Mm -hmm. some people believe, for instance, that all the most successful musicians need something, quote unquote, to become successful, to become creative. Mm I personally don't believe that.
1: Um, oh, no, not at all. I don't believe that at all, because that can also become, you know, depending on the person, that that can become a detriment.
0: Yes, yes.
1: Definitely, definitely. And, and you know, too, like, um, you know, I mean, I've been around, while well, I'm 60 now. So, you know, you kind of get the idea of, like, what happens to you when you smoke and where you are when you smoke. And, you know, when the right time is and the right time isn't. At least for me, it is. Yeah, know except because sometimes I just become too relaxed it's sort of like I shouldn't be like involved with sharp things
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> you know because like, there's going to be an accident because I'm just
0: going to get stupid <laughs> that is good <laughs> <laughs> and if you're dealing with expensive movie making equipment that would also well be...
1: well yeah I would not even touch equipment <laughs> period that's that's not for me you know, I leave that to the people that are doing it. But uh, yeah, just uh, yeah, it doesn't work for me. That's all. Yeah. Um, but I'm not saying it doesn't for others. You know? you know, who knows? There could be people out there that have been making movies stone the whole time, and they're great. We don't know it, but if it works for them, that's great.
0: Yes. Well, and that is what I'm finding in the uh, in Nevada anyway. The culture changed significantly in just the past four years or so.
1: Yeah. You know, tell me about that. What that's. What is that like?
0: Well, the one thing that happened first was, and normally this is the path that happens in a state where the, uh, the vote, you know, they put something on the ballot to, mm-hmm. to make it legal for people with uh, specific medical conditions to be able to buy marijuana, cannabis, in various forms for medicinal purposes. And that's how Nevada started out. Um, and that, that took effect in, um, I think it was 2015 or thereabouts, 15. Mm-hmm. Yeah, very recently. But then once they had the medical side, the legislation went through, the voters approved it. And then, you know, the tax side, as you were saying about uh, New Jersey, the tax side is very difficult to fix up. Uh, you know, correctly the first time so you don't really mess it up for all time. And Nevada took a while to figure out the revenue part in the taxation, but they did get it together finally. Right. uh, And a lot of money, man. I'm telling you, everyone here in Nevada was surprised when the first, um, when the information came in, the tax revenue numbers. People were stunned after the first full year Mm-hmm. Just on just on the medical side, so they. Oh, s- I can imagine. Yeah, and there's not that many people here. You know, Nevada isn't a very populated state uh, compared to New York, California, Texas, New Jersey. Oh,
1: New Jersey. Yeah. Well, yeah, we have more people per square mile than any state.
0: Yeah. Well, and that's yes.
1: <laughs> yeah, uh, it's packed. New Jersey is a packed yeah.
0: state. Well, so then Nevada said, "Okay, now that we got it together for medicinal tax revenue works fine let 's go and see if the if the voters would approve for recreational, and the voters mm-hmm. did the voters approved it, so we have both in nevada uh, that 's great yeah, and the I think it would be i think most people would expect the revenue coming in from recreational is much higher than uh, the revenue coming in for medicinal.
1: Oh, yeah, because I think even when I was um, checking out, like, like the price value or something in a lot of these, I guess, these boutiques that would we'll be opening up, all these little, um, what do they call them, dispensaries?
0: Dispensaries, yes.
1: And I believe, you know, it's sort of like whatever you would normally pay. It would be like, more.
0: Well, the, if you re- have.
1: Retail, re- like retail cost.
0: Yes, well, I have a I have a medical marijuana uh, card in Nevada, mm-hmm. and I use uh, medical marijuana for um, alleviating pain. You know, as you get older, a lot of things happen, and like back pain and so forth. Sure. Yeah, and so that how, that was my uh, introduction for myself. Um, and I get a discount. Anyone with a medical marijuana card in Nevada gets a ten percent discount.
1: Right. Well, what I was meant to, what I was talking about, was like um, if it was out for, if it's up for recreational, that would be like like the sort of the tax jump on it.
0: Yes. Not only are the taxes higher for recreational in Nevada Mm -hmm. but the prices too I mean if you were to buy and they have all these new words now that didn't exist in the uh, 60s and 70s (laughs) Uh, one of them is pre pre pre-roll which to me is a video production or movie production word but it's basically they're joints right yeah exactly in other words pre-rolls
1: oh my god that's so funny would you like a pre-roll it's like yeah I want a joint (laughs)
0: give me a freaking joint (laughs) yeah well and they've they've had to reuse words like joint in the film like Spike Lee joint is not you know it's about his films Mm -hmm. and yet we reuse the words totally confusing people that are trying to learn English you know but anyway um, so pre-roll means, yes, you buy usually one joint, as we would say from the old days, you buy one uh, pre-rolled uh, cannabis cigarette. Right. Uh, and they don't use words like that. They just say pre-roll, and everyone knows what it means. And then kind new- of like buying a Lucy at the Yes. And there are new words like vape, V-A-P-E, which is... Uh, the noun from the verb of vaping, uh, which is when you vaporize cannabis products so that you can inhale it uh, a lot easier than putting a joint up to your lips and taking in the smoke that way. Um, vaping is much more, uh, well, it's, it's less heat going down your throat.
1: Right, well, I'm not crazy about vaping myself.
0: You know, I have to agree with you. I didn't like it either. I find
1: you know, it's weird. It's weird. I've tried it quite a bit, but I find that I get almost, I know this sounds strange. Maybe it's my age. I find that, like, a lot of different strains of whatever I'm vaping, I just get too high.
0: Yes. Well, and that is true. That's...
1: Like, like you know, like when someone says, just take one toke, they're not kidding.
0: <laughs> that's true. You know,
1: because sometimes you take two and all of a sudden you're, you feel like you're tripping. Yes. and um, And that's not fun. You know, oh. especially if you're in the middle in public and all of a sudden it's like, you know, everyone's heads start growing. <laughs> <laughs> you know, or their mouths and their voices start going, wow, 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 wow. Oh, I'm not happy about this at all. This yes. isn't good. <laughs>
0: well, and that is something that we didn't have to deal with in the old days. You
1: no, know, and I find that the strains that are coming out, yes. some of them are so strong between the Indicas and the Sativas and, you know, I'm like the, I like the stuff that makes me happy. I don't yes. like the stuff that's like, just gets you really stoned.
0: Yes. Well, and you, you need know? the the public needs to know that you have to become. There's
1: such a difference yes. between all the you know between the Kush and this and that yes. and you know and all the names. And I've learned because of the guy that I buy my weed from. You know, I'm old school. I love just meeting my friend out in, like, a dark parking lot behind Pathmark at night. (laughs) 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 Meet our car, switch him a couple bucks, give me my bag. Old school. Now, no, I seriously go to his house now. But it's just funny because I'm like, I'm going to miss the old way of doing it. I kind of like the little bit of, like, you know, illegality about it.
0: Well, yes, and the dark, the darkness. And that's just
1: me. And that's just me, of course, just being you know. Cookie.
0: Well, no, but as an actor, director, producer, and writer of horror films, why yeah, wouldn't like, why wouldn't you? See... Why
1: wouldn't I want to meet them in a the back alley? <laughs> <laughs> well, and, and there's like, "Well, we don't have to do this. You could really just come to my house." I was like, "No, back
0: alley. <laughs>
1: just do as I say."
0: Sure. <laughs> <laughs> There may be a good horror story in, let's say, somebody has a dispensary experience as opposed to the dark back alley or whatever, and I think, you know, that would be an interesting... That could be, you know, they
1: could go to dispensary and find it's too expensive and they only have less money and they have to go elsewhere to get it.
0: Well, what I was thinking is that the person who's working in the dispensary is Ah. is equally dark as the nefarious, there's our word for the day. Yes, again. Again, the nefarious character out in the parking lot in the dark could be Mm -hmm. equally nefarious inside in the dispensary, and that would be an interesting... a turn that no one would expect as a visitor, as you know, a viewer. You
1: know, if it goes legal in all states they can start a whole new genre like pop.
0: That's true. That's true. Well and there's I don't know how many states have recreational and uh medicinal. It's not that many, it's like ten or twelve. But mm-hmm. I think it's forty four states and the District of Columbia have Will that that have Said yes so far well for medicinal so that means you have to have even a, still that's
1: it but that's even a, you know I mean people, trust me people will get prescriptions
0: well <laughs> <laughs> well it's not even Alan Alan it's not even a prescription a prescription is like a I'll use Latin here sanctum sanctorum it's a holy of right. holies uh, in the in the cannabis industry all you have to do and this is only Nevada so I don't know other states Colorado Washington Oregon California mm-hmm you all only have to convince one medical doctor that you have whatever it is. You have uh, glaucoma, you have PTSD, you have whatever. There are several things on a list that Nevada recognizes as, well, this person should be able to buy medical marijuana. And you go and see a doctor. But... <laughs> in Nevada you don't even need to see the doctor face to face it's all done like video it's like Skype, it's a Skype doctor hello I'm Dr. Skype <laughs> oh my god that's funny and you never see the doctor and they don't can't touch you with the te- steth- uh, what's the word they can't touch you with the stethoscope because they're on a freaking TV screen So uh,
1: that's, that's, yeah, one of these days we'll be able to just like touch a pad yeah. and I think all of our like our body bodily functions will be like reading across the radar or something. Yes. well, actually, you know, they, to a doctor, it's going to be that simple. Like just like put your finger in there.
0: They do have that today. It's not in common use, but medical technology does allow for that telemetry to go. It's going to be.
1: It's going to be amazing.
0: Yeah. So, but it's it's a doctor patient experience here in Nevada, even though it's mm-hmm. Doctor Skype and you don't actually see him. Hemorr- doctor <laughs> Skype, I love yeah. it. <laughs> So, your experience, I'm. it sounds like you have not been inside of a dispensary.
1: No, I haven't yet, because um, there, there's, you know, I mean, New York and New Jersey, there's none around.
0: Well, how do, how do you, and, and I, in New York, where it is legal, how does one buy uh, medical marijuana in New York?
1: I actually don't know. I guess you have to, I think they have a card.
0: Yeah, but you still have and to go I'm somewhere. Sure, I'm
1: not sure where they go, because I don't know anyone that has the actual, um marijuana cart
0: around here oh that's interesting wow
1: yeah i mean i no i seriously don't i mean my my friends and i we just all smoke smoke we all you know we all get it from our neighbors or a friend (laughs) you know we're still we're still pretty old school behind here
0: yes i was going to say you're very old school well that's interesting
1: yeah and and um but you know we haven't um I, i don't know of any of the dispensaries around new york i haven't been to one yeah. I should go to one. I'd probably love it.
0: Well, they, they may not let you, you know, you have to show ID, and in Nevada... Oh,
1: that's right, that's yeah. right, that's yeah. right. See, I don't even know the protocol, because I don't know if any of any that's around.
0: Yeah, well, that's how... You no, know,
1: certainly not in New Jersey, and yeah. in Manhattan, I don't know where they are.
0: <laughs> that's interesting. You know, Rockefeller yeah. Center, I would say, check there. Uh, no. Oh, okay. No, I'm kidding, I don't, I have any... Below,
1: ch- yeah, right below Channel 4. Yeah. <laughs>
0: Yes. Well, and it's interesting the culture, which I'm very much trying to figure out in these podcast interviews the culture has changed so quickly and people's heads are spinning I interviewed oh
1: yeah and I'm still like I'm still back in old hippie culture you know like, yeah. sit back on the couch and like smoke a joint and shut up <laughs> <laughs> that's me it's like yeah I'm fine now
0: well <laughs> one of the podcast interviews is with uh, a Las Vegas cannabis entrepreneur and she took cannabis for the first time for pain uh, she was in an automobile accident and took it for pain mm. Um, But she said to me she didn't know how to behave when she first went into a dispensary, because she was used to, as you and I have been, of that back alley, dark, nefarious character, which which doesn't exist in the dispensary, not at all.
1: No, of course. And I've seen like well I've seen well from what I've seen on television and you know, on the news of all these dispensaries throughout like LA and stuff. It's like, oh my God, I said, they're like
0: boutiques. Yes. Well and let me give you one little scenario. I walked into a dispensary here in Las Vegas and there was an elder older gentleman who looked you know, I couldn't tell his age, but he was around seventy. Um. And he was wearing a tuxedo, very nicely dressed. But it was like from the Adams Family, almost. You know, uh, the TV series and the movies uh, that were—they weren't really. Right. they were comedies, not horror. But you know, the Adams Family, very gothic look. So this oh, guy. Oh,
1: black comedy. It's definitely dark comedy. Yes,
0: but this guy wearing a tuxedo in a dispensary, looking like, you know, Lurch or something. I don't know. <laughs> Adam's family character.
1: But it is Vegas. I mean, you know, well, you know, know. tuxedos, com- tuxedos come yeah. Any Any time of day. <laughs> Th-
0: that is true. It's kind of unfair, but that is true. <laughs> <laughs> so, Alan, the next thing, what you're not saying is, an Elvis impersonator wearing a tuxedo selling marijuana I'd be there in a a heartbeat.
1: (laughs) Seriously, I would be.
0: (laughs) That may be the new thing, you know, the celebrity impersonations, people impersonating as dead celebrities, of course, um, selling cannabis.
1: Celebrity stash. How great would that
0: be? There you go. Well... (laughs) There are people, and I met just this uh, month, I met Cheech Marin from Cheech and Chong. Oh, I I think he's great. Yes. Now, he and his family, his son and daughter, are working together in the cannabis industry now. It's really ironic. He was, he and his partner, Tommy Chong, from the old days, were the essence, the essence of counterculture, and today...
1: Oh, Up in Smoke was like... Yes. I mean, we watched that all the time.
0: Yeah, but now he's in the and business. we
1: wanted to be, you know, of course, in the 70s and teenagers, we just wanted to be that. That's we right. Just, you know, we just wanted to be like in a Volkswagen that's stoned all the time. That's
0: right. Well, yeah. when, when you see him today, he is, you know, he's in his 70s, and he is a legitimate businessman in the state of California and Nevada, paying taxes for the sale of cannabis. Now, what could be more ironic than that? I ask
1: you. Oh, I think I think it's a beautiful thing. He's come full circle.
0: That is true. That is exactly completely. True. <laughs> so the uh, dead celebrity impersonators like Elvis, that wouldn't be so unusual. It hasn't happened yet, but that oh, would not are be you kidding me. Once if it takes off, there's going to be so many gimmicks. Yeah. well and who oh,
1: other then, you know I know it'll start off as like of course very like you know straightforward for a couple of years but but you know before before it starts to go that it's going to start to go commercial one of these days yeah. it's going to be
0: it's gonna be a riot well and Elvis impersonators are mainstream here in Las Vegas you just there was, well, I
1: would think so yeah.
0: I'd hope so there was a convention <laughs> there were, hope so <laughs> there was a convention <laughs> I was near the strip and I saw seven count them seven Elvis impersonators all at the same time. Hold on one oh, second. Are the bombs? are the bombs coming? <laughs> really, that was, uh, that is pretty fucking scary, actually. That's my cell phone with an amber alert. Uh, oh. Uh, let's start again. Um, I, s- <laughs> I was uh, near the strip, and I saw seven, count them, seven, Elvis impersonators walking near Las Vegas Boulevard. So, to say that Elvis impersonators are mainstream in Las Vegas would be an understatement. So.
1: Oh, I know, I know. I, I, I just that would be great to see that.
0: Well, and I, I believe having that kind of cannabis sales is a bit of a stretch because. <laughs> We don't see it today, but if you can have an Adams Family character wearing a tuxedo, it's not too. I think,
1: an, I think an Elvis dispensary would be a very <laughs> smart idea.
0: All right, so I was going to ask you, as a creative person, as a writer and a producer, which dead celebrity, other than Elvis Presley, would you pick to sell cannabis uh, in Las Vegas?
1: Oh wow, that's really tough. <laughs> to just throw that in there, like you know, i you know, I and mean, keep it vague. <laughs> I mean. Be, you know, Frank Sinatra would be
0: interesting. I don't think he would ever use, I don't know, I don't know.
1: Oh, but we're talking today, we'll just make him, like, coo coo hip, you know?
0: <laughs> that's true. <laughs> so you would pick You would pick, um, Blue oh, Eyes? Oh, no, I
1: have no idea. No, I have no I'd have to think on that one and get back to you on that. All right. So, so you know, that, that, that's, that's, good, that's too quick of a question.
0: That's probably the toughest question anyone's ever asked it you.
1: Is. That is. That would be something I have to really think about. Because <laughs> Elvis kind of like Elvis kind of tops that.
0: He does, yes, yeah. Uh, well, I can only think Marilyn Monroe might be another dead celebrity that, but she wasn't known for cannabis. She was known for um, alcohol and for and pills. Ha- pills and pills and for having sex with every man she could ever possibly.
1: Oh uh, well, <laughs> to each his own, right? Really, and
0: what's wrong with that? You know what's it's- wrong. <laughs> exactly at this <laughs> day and who cares <laughs> none of my business <laughs> so speaking of filmmaking and celebrities mm-hmm. what are you what is on the on the coming up next for Alan Ro Kelly
1: oh um you know it's, it's coming out to be kind of an interesting year I was in three I was I was in three films last year and they're all coming out this year okay so I'm in a film called Theater of Terror by Tom Ryan and Todd Sturridge, and um, it's an anthology. And I'm in the last anthology called Endangered. And then what's really interesting is is, um, I did a film back in, I believe it's 2004, with Michael Todd Schneider on Pittsburgh, and it's finally getting released this year. Wow. Yeah, so I'm really fascinated to see what he's turned that into 15 years later. Yeah. You know, with present footage and everything. So and that's called opening the mind. And then there's um, a film I was in, Abel Berry's Midnight Devils. That's still in post down in Texas, and I think that'll be coming out this year.
0: Well, that is exciting.
1: And then, and I'm, yeah, and I'm editing, too. So I'm editing um, Nathan and um, going into pre-production for his next film. Is which I'll probably be an associate producer and have a part in as well.
0: That's cool. Now, yeah.
1: So it's it's pretty good.
0: Well, you played a character in uh, the segment "Telltale Heart" in the "Tales of Poe" from 2014. You played a character, Peggy Lamar, and I was. Yes. Yeah, and I was thinking. Of Hedley Lamar from Blazing Saddles. Is that ever? Oh, into-
1: that's so funny. <laughs> yeah, I was. Yeah, I wasn't even close.
0: <laughs> so you would pop in on the screen and say, "As Peggy Lamar, that's Hedley." Right.
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: You're. Uh, yeah, that would have been a great. Uh...
1: That was a fun role. That was a fun role to play. I mean, it was easy for me. I just had to stay in bed. <laughs>
0: Now, how do you mean yeah, that? Just, just, just be despondent in bed
1: the whole time. But it was, that was a fun role to do.
0: Yeah. Now, when people wrote about that as reviews, did they use, oh, Alan is a drag uh, performer? Did they use that kind no, of... No,
1: not at all, actually. Not at all. It was really interesting. They just kept referring to me as she, which <laughs> mean they, which was, was fine with me, which means they completely accepted the, um, the character.
0: Yes, yes.
1: You know, I mean, but they, you no, know, I think after By, by Tales of Poe, like, most of the horror, horror the anti-horror audiences have gotten used to
0: me. Yes. Well, it is, it's... So, you know, it's they, ju-
1: they didn't have to, like, introduce, it's not like it was an introdu- introductory yes. piece or something like that.
0: Well, it's, it's, you I know? just, I just feel for the poor souls who had never heard of you before this podcast, and now they're going back into IMDb and other places to see what well, what are the films that this guy is in, and then when they see it, they'll be like, "Oh, what is this?" And I a, know
1: it's interesting. You know, it's interesting. You know, like I'm in twenty, so like it's been. I've been in the business about twenty years, and i i just hit like my fortieth film, which is like Jesus. Like that. Where did that go? Yeah. Not, not, not to admit like you know, there's a, there's a good like eighty five percent of them. I hope never be the light of day again, but. <laughs> <laughs> But that—that's the business, you know. You do what you do what comes to you, you know. But I have to admit, now um, at this point, twenty years later, I—I'm just like, if the script gets me, I'll do it. But, but I, I turn down more than I actually do anymore. Yeah, because like a lot of it's just kind of like, ugh, it's not good, you know. And just and after like doing Poe and the couple the, the current films that I'm appearing in with. Theater the caliber's, like, gotten a little, you know, it's, it's, it's higher, so you can't, like, go back and just start doing any piece of junk that's around. Yeah.
0: Well, do it's people... Because
1: you have nothing to do. It's just I don't want to do... I'd rather not be seen.
0: Well, yeah. Do people come to you with, um, like, transgender kind of stories, uh, given what's going yes on? No,
1: yes and no. Yes and no. And uh, they have a couple times, and the ones that, um, that did come to me, I would not do. You know, because they were just coming from they were they were just coming from the wrong place. Yeah, and I was like, God, if I, I said if I showed in this, I said I'd be slaughtered. Right, right. You know, if, if I showed up in this or whatever, it's like let someone else deal with this trash. You know. Yeah. Um. And it's, it's still, you hate the transgender character, like either as a killer. It's 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 a gimmick. You know, it's the old school gimmick that you know. She, it just keeps, like, coming through. It's like, oh, God, I don't want to do
0: that. Yeah, it's way, way past cli- You know, I'm not going to do the
1: stupid dress to kill thing or whatever. No. Like that. Just, give me a real, <laughs> just give me a real person to play, you yeah. know? Well, and, and whether Bri- they're, whether Brian... they're male or female or transgender, I don't give a hoot. But, you know, it's, yeah. make it somebody interesting, not, like, just just plopped in there for us. Yeah,
0: yeah. well, Brian De Palma tried Dress to Kill, and he's really not around. That, making that movies. was
1: different, though, because of the time. That was actually very edgy then.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: You know, because before that, I don't think, you know, aside from, um, I think, that movie Homicidal, William Castle's back in the day. Yeah. And um, with Gene Arliss and um, maybe one or two of that Yeah. That great Alfred Hitchcock episode, I think it was called, the, um, An Open Window. Have you ever seen that?
0: Yes, yes.
1: Brilliant, with the nurses and everything. I mean, that was really kind of fun and really, really different. And it was so, for back then, that was super cutting edge. yeah. Well, now it just just seems like, uh, almost like a a caricature caricature trope in a way. I'm sorry, I'm getting a little hoarse. The uh, pollen's been terrible out here lately.
0: Well, plus you're in New Jersey, so, you know.
1: (laughs) (laughs) That has nothing to do with it. It's just the pollen and day. It's like spring is here and, like, everything's blooming, so it's like settling right in my throat.
0: Yeah. Well, Alan, this has been so much fun. I hope the listeners... Oh, are we
1: done? I
0: think, well, I don't know. The one thing I wanted to ask you... Um, nice. The uh Far Cry from Home, right? Yes. And, and then you have a certain Chevy Chase movie about Vulcanvania. Do you remember that? No. He and uh it was uh uh he was in New Jersey. He was working in Manhattan. Ch- Chevy Chase's character in Manhattan uh-huh. and he's driving uh with his girlfriend um and they're heading down the New Jersey Turnpike. and is Oh,
1: yes, I do know the wood Demi Moore.
0: Demi Moore, yes. And, and John
1: Candy, that and, takes place in the Pine Barrens, New Jersey. Yes. yes.
0: Now that reminds me of Far Cry From Home, not in the same exact way. Yeah, but, but it's
1: similar topography, too.
0: Yes, yes.
1: You know, as far as, like, the look of our woods and our swamps and everything here, too, it's very, very similar.
0: Yeah, except you didn't have the creepy twins That uh, we're (laughs) we're in. No,
1: I'm afraid our budget didn't allow for that.
0: (laughs) (laughs) But I uh, and that was a comedy, ostensibly a comedy. No,
1: it was really good. too. I enjoyed that too. I mean, it didn't come over very well when it came out, but you look back at it now, it's like, wow, that's pretty wild.
0: Yes, and it it seems to be cutting edge now, whereas then definitely.
1: And you know, some of those films just like get better later. Yeah.
0: Well, and I do say, keep coming back, not to uh, throw kisses at Alan Kelly, but far, oh, sweet, thank you. <laughs> far Cry from Home does, like a fine wine, get better as it gets older, and I do urge people to go and find it.
1: Thank you again. You know, nothing of fear. So I, someone, find it. I believe on Amazon or. I think it's on Amazon or something like that, yeah. you know, one of those channels, you well, know. If someone, part of the Gallery of Fear anthology. Yes,
0: if someone is determined enough, they just do a, a search online, right. and they will find it. And I, I think it's worth the time and effort to search oh, for it. Oh,
1: it would be great. I would love to get feedback on it from people, definitely.
0: Yeah. Now, do you have a website that, uh, or a way people... Yeah, from-
1: well, I'm on, I'm on Twitter, Instagram. Facebook it's under Alan Row Kelly A L I N R O W E K E L L Y. I just go under my name, but I'm under you know I'm on all the usual the usual suspects.
0: Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so people can find you there, especially Instagram.
1: Certainly, certainly that would be great if they want to like tune in and drop a line or something and say hello. That'd be awesome.
0: That'd be great, Alan. Thank, thank you. Thank you so much. This was a lot of fun.
1: My pleasure. I appreciate it.
0: All right. You have a good day. You too. Thank you. Thank bye you. Bye bye. Bye bye. Find out more about this topic. Go online to the website taboo truths and That's taboo-truths-and-tales.com. Taboo Truths and Tales is hosted by Madeira D'Souza. That's me. Thank you.